0: You're listening to the Blue Box podcast and for the next 60 minutes we're going to be talking about survivors so that you don't have to. Hi, I'm JR, and yes, you heard that correctly. Tonight we will not be talking about Doctor Who, except we probably will be talking about Doctor Who. But as well as talking about Doctor Who, we are also, as promised, way back in our post-apocalypse podcast, we are also going to be talking about Survivors, thanks to the fact that Big Finish have got the rights to uh, develop and continue the Survivors television series from 1975. And on tonight 's show i 've got well at the moment two and hopefully by the end of the podcast three of the authors of those stories for big Finish <clears> so um well, my two guests that i 've got at the moment uh, would you like to introduce yourselves hello yes i 'm Matt Fitton and i 'm Andrew Smith, and you have both written um one of the episodes of the big Finish survivors stories. We'll That's come right. back to that. We'll come back to that a little later in the podcast. Because, first of all, we have got uh, an edition of Knox Box to... Uh, in fact, the penultimate edition of Knox Box to uh, go through. So, uh, Matt, Andrew, would you like to help me sing the jingle so that Absol- we can go into Knox Box? Absolutely. Go <laughs> yeah. Are you ready for this, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> Here we go on three, two, one. Three, two, one. Knox Box. <laughs> okay, it's week 14 of Knox Box, uh, written by Grant Knock, who is rewatching the Stephen Moffat era so that we don't have to. And he says uh, about the Crimson Horror. Easily the best episode of Series 7 so far. And is <laughs> And Gatiss is best since The Unquiet Dead. Although I do think the greatest strength of this lies with the direction rather than the story itself. I love the whole flashback sequence and their Paternoster gang are great too. See, I think they should be called Menagerie Trois, but that's really not caught on. <laughs> uh... But you have dropped. Um, you have dropped it in every uh, mention of the programme, though, haven't you? <laughs> I do. I try. I'm trying, but I've nobody, been catching up. Yeah. Nobody else is using it. It's embarrassing. No. Still, you know they're coming back in the next series, so maybe I can maybe I can uh, write a preview for the series for Starburst yeah. so that they can. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Good. Nightmare in Silver. Grant says, I know it's crap, you know it's crap. The story is crap, the supporting cast are crap, and the dialogue is crap. The young girl is one of the most unlikable characters ever. I really feel for Matt Smith, especially in those chess sequences. I don't think the direction helps with those scenes either. No wonder he decided to leave being handed garbage like this. Do you get oh. the feeling he didn't like Nightmare
1: in Silver? He's not pulling his punches, is he? <laughs> I, thought, I thought that
2: the, the, the girl was a very... Uh, good presentation of a teenager, annoying teenager, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe that's why she was so annoying. Then there's a lot that's good in that True as well. You and, and I'm a huge fan of Cybermen, and I, I, there's a lot in that that I like. Um, uh, real like the new the new Cybermen, uh, and that, that I like bunch the movement of mists, how they, yeah. they speed up. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. The, yeah. When they yeah
2: coming
0: across the moat and everything. Yeah, mm, it's
1: good yeah. bits in it. Oh yeah.
0: I do think... I've been over this before, but I I just think the plot needed another pass because there were so many blind alleys and so many bits that just didn't seem to fit. It just didn't really hang together. But but, anyway, we're supposed to be talking about what Grant thinks of Series 7. And on the name of the Doctor... He says, "Well, that wasn't as good as I remembered. It ties up the impossible girl storyline, sets up the anniversary special in the Christmas special, but still left me a bit empty. River is an annoyance and feels tacked on. I'm not too keen on Moffat putting his fingerprints on so much of Doctor Who history either. In a way, it's a perfectly serviceable season finale, and in another way, not. I think because it has so many things to finish and set up, it's a bit of a thankless task. Perhaps I'm being harsh, but then again." Why make it so difficult for themselves? Oh, not so keen on that one either.
1: No. Strangely, because <laughs> I uh, I was blown away by that, and, I, and I've seen it two or three times since, and, and it's uh, yeah,
2: that
0: pretty to totally secret alone is it? Oh, that fantastic!
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic! Yeah,
0: I did. Yeah, um, the only <clears throat> the only thing I thought about *Name of the Doctor* was that it was perhaps a bit slow. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a slow story. So that's not mm. necessarily a criticism, mm. but for the forty-five minutes, it kind of it felt slightly odd in the forty-five minutes. Do you know what I mean?
3: Mm.
2: Possibly. Yes, like I'm, a, a, a I'm just, just trying to think if maybe it took longer than it should have to get yeah. to where it ended up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I'm just trying if it, it maybe slow and modern, time. it's just it's just saying, not not quite r- racketing along as fast as anything else. But I, I don't even know. I agree with that at all. Uh, hmm.
0: Uh, well, a anyway, this is this is his opinion. <clears throat> it, and he just has a few words about season seven overall. He says, a really strange season for me. I don't think the split after five episodes helps at all. The ponds really should have been left in the previous season, as should have River. All the Doctor Who name stuff becomes very tiresome. There are no real top-notch stories at all for me. The Crimson Horror is my favourite. Everything feels like it's just treading water a little bit. And I include Matt Smith in that. I don't know if it's the ominous cloud of the 50th on the horizon, which means that Moffat knows he has to nail that, so perhaps he keeps his powder dry. And that was week 14 of Knox Box. And I've got to say, that was the most downbeat one so far. Sorry <laughs> to inflict that on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yes, even though it may be wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: OK, so we mm. sh- we shall sing <clears> our way back out of it. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Three three, two, one. knocks. Box. 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 <laughs> I I really I really should feel embarrassed about putting my special guests through something like that. Yes, you should. <laughs> but I can but if I don't get you to do it, I can't blackmail you with it afterwards, so what are you gonna do? Dorney knew Matt. this was gonna happen. <laughs> That's why he's not here, I right know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, he's going to miss it. I might get him to sing it, and then oh, please edit him. do, please, please, please. Yeah. please. Yeah. I, actually, I insist. <laughs> well, you'll be here hopefully, so <clears throat> we'll persuade him to sing again. it. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll edit him in afterwards. <laughs> Matt, a question mm. for you, yes.
3: unrelated
0: to Survivors. Oh yes. Do you remember what the very first Doctor Who story you ever saw was?
2: I can remember my the first image I've got is a giant spider on Sarah Jane's back. That's what I sort of kind of remember as my first Doctor Who image. But as in sitting down remembering the plot, I think it's sort of roundabouts of Planet of Evil that it gets um, coherent for me. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm a child of the '70s, so. Sort of mid 70s onwards is when I, it, it all becomes really vivid and memorable. So, yeah, uh, yeah Leela and uh, K9 and the Romanas were my time.
0: More or less the same as mine. Andrew, when you were on before, I don't think I asked you this either. No, but I, do I remember... don't think we did discuss it. No. No. So go on. But do you remember your first?
1: I go back go. to the black and white. My first, the first story I can definitely point at and say I remember that story is The Web of Fear. So when that Yeti in the Underground is a strong, wow. strong memory for me. So when that became available last year, that was uh, that was astonishing. So at an extra level of uh, interest for me, it may be that um, uh, I, I've got strong memories of the Cybermen from the Patrick Troughton era. So it may be that I remember earlier stories, Tim the Cybermen or, or whatever, uh, or the Wheel in Space. But um, uh, yeah, Yeti in the Underground my my first my first uh definite memory of a definite story.
0: You do mm. tend to get that, don't you, where you I mean similarly to Matt, I kind of vaguely remember the sea devils emerging out of the mm. water, but my first sort of proper story wouldn't be until much later. I think Planet of the Daleks is the first time I kind of I've said this on the podcast before, but the first time I can actually remember not
1: just the images, but also some of the story as well. <laughs> I've yeah. had the I've had the very odd experience of people telling me that Full Circle is a first memory, uh, including Simon Garrier. Uh, S- Simon interviewed me for a thing last year. For the, uh, uh, we went at dinner, and uh, I mean we mates. We went at dinner, and he interviewed me for his uh, his blog, and he mentioned to me in that his first memory. Of Doctor Who is K9 and the Doctor in the Marsh waiting for the Marshman to come up. Uh, I like, think, blimey, that makes me feel old. <laughs> it really <laughs> I didn't does. i such oh, a young chap. God. Oh dear, but yeah, yeah, is, yes, yeah. But, but um, that's great. That, as well. that does age you, though. Know. It's it. Well, it is to think. You know, well, well, to think for someone for whom, you know, for me it's yet in the underground. For someone else, it's it's Tom Baker and K9 in the Marsh. Whoa, yeah.
0: Those so, scenes the, in that first episode of Full Circle were so well done. It, that felt because the first yeah. two stories of that series, uh,
1: Leisure Hive and Meglos,
0: were a bit odd. No, I I, say.
1: I know you're not a fan of season eighteen. <laughs> i I <I've, laughs> no, picked up on this, but I've got to say, I rewatched Leisure, Leisure Hive recently, and I was blown away. But I I just saw it in a. Uh, I, I'd always find it difficult because it was part of that series that that, that I contributed to. It's always difficult to be objective about it, and I,
2: yeah,
0: and
1: I liked it, and I I thought it was a very different uh, style of serial. But I watched it again recently. Yeah, I think I don't know whether
2: it's, the, the age hmm. the age that I was there. It's like you feel like it's a little bit more grown up, and you so you feel it's a little bit more for you. And the yeah. idea, of the, I love the Famazi, the idea of them. Oh, adult, yeah, yeah, gambling empire and.
1: Yeah, I saw me, but yeah, and I, I locked out completely on Full Circle. You know, Peter Grimwood and Max Samet as well, who's the uh, film cameraman, did a fantastic oh, yeah. job. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, when we do season 18, Andrew, I think you'll be surprised that I'll have a lot more positive things to say about it than you'd probably expect me to.
1: Well, we'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can have you back again for that. But before we do, Mm. the reason I was asking the question about your memories of Doctor Who Mm. is because I was trying to gauge whether you'd remember Survivors as well. Well, I do. (laughs) the first series of Survivors would have been not long after... You were watching Planet of the Spiders, and I'd guess that you were probably too young to stay up and watch it. It
2: was probably beyond my bedtime. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's funny enough that I do remember bits of the later series. I remember definitely, um, the character, Paul, uh, Chris Tranchell's character, yeah. as being one of my favourite. I, I sort of really vividly remember his appearance and his attitude, and I remember liking him. But whether that was, that must have been probably into series, that the, the, the the, the later series, yeah, the yeah. second series, obviously, yeah. Uh, so I kind of remember bits of that. But really, yeah, I, I don't I don't remember seeing the first one, the first set of stories the first time around until um, I watched them in DVD on, on in preparation for, uh, for, for looking at the audios. Oh, that's really interesting. We'll come back to that in a minute mm. because
0: I was going to bring that up. And um, I'm a bit like you. I kind of vaguely have memories of the series as it went out. In fact, the one scene I really remember is from series three, which is the dog in the uh, and they go into the water to escape from the dog. And I always assumed I, I, my parents. We're obviously fairly liberal about things like this, and they let me stay up to watch Survivors. I don't know why. It got (laughs) me. It got me hooked. That's what got me hooked, Andrew, on the whole sort of (laughs) post-apocalypse thing. Yeah, yeah. But I really, I really remember this scene with the water and the dog, and they go to escape the dog by going into the water. So I always assumed whatever the apocalypse was, it was rabies, and these people Mm. had found some antidote to rabies, and that's how (laughs) they'd survived. Funny. Yeah, it's funny
2: that, that these um, because I mean, into the late seventies and early eighties, there were a slew of these sort of post-apocalyptic or, or kind of doomwatchy style yeah. series. I remember there wasn't there was a thing called the Mad Death, wasn't there, which was about
1: oh, that's five like, so, so, yeah, three part yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I remember that, and of course you've got things like Threads as well going on at the time. So it's yeah, it all it all helped shape us into the people we are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the BFI are about to release <laughs> another one on DVD, a children's one the title of which escapes me, so I don't know why I've brought this up. Mm. Oh, I would say links in the show notes, but there won't be any show notes. (laughs) But nevertheless, something from the BFI. A children's series, also a post-apocalypse thing, from the late 70s or early 80s, is coming out on DVD in Hmm. August, I believe. But that's the thing, then. Andrew, you'll probably remember
1: Survivors... I do, yeah.
0: ...from the first run...
1: Yes. Did you
0: watch it from the start then?
1: Yes. Yeah. In fact, my uh, my I I have I don't have many memories of, the, of of the later episodes. To be honest with you, I, I remember it got into like people riding around on uh, VT on mm. horses uh, and whatever. But I, I really remember the start. Uh, it was powerful, powerful television. Um, I mean, I would only been I mean 1975. I'd have been 13, but uh, it was. You know, I I knew Terry Nation uh, from his uh, Doctor Who connections, and um, it was very very powerful stuff. Very powerful stuff. Very popular.
2: Actually, yeah, the mm. thing that made an impression I, the, the the opening titles and that music. That as yeah. soon as I put the DVDs back in uh, and and saw them, uh, that really sort of took me yeah. back. Mm. Yeah, they uh I, and it's really. Uh, clever, how everything you need to know about it is done it's there, but it's not in the actual story. When you when no, you're
1: that's right, and that episodes. and yeah. that ev- that evokes a series as well. The series isn't about finding out what caused everyone to die and blaming people. It, it's about being just ordinary people with no connection to the death, the plague, uh, just learning to deal with the fact that less, far less than one percent of the population is still around. And what do you do? Um, Which is
0: yeah. <coughs> why the. Revisited series a few years ago didn't work.
1: No, I, I, I Um, I mean, I've, I've got the first series on DVD. I hadn't, wa- I, I'd, I'd watched two episodes of it, and I, I deliberately for this didn't want to go and watch that. Uh, I just wanted to be immersed in, in the old series so again. Like yeah. Matt, I went through the DVD and, uh, uh but yeah, I understand the, the thrust of that is finding out what actually caused it, which is a different story altogether. And yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the new
2: the new series for for what it was, but it wasn't Survivors, as in the Nation Survivors. Mm. Really, it was a different story. It was more sort of action, adventure-y type stuff. It wasn't about the bleakness of uh, existence in a post-apocalyptic world. And no. that's the funny the funny thing about the original is
0: the fight between Terry Nation and Terence Dudley. I'd assume that you yeah. two are probably aware of this. Oh, yeah, hmm. yeah.
1: I think we've both got a copy of a book called uh, The End of the World, uh, yeah. which is the uh, uh, the guide to the TV series. Uh, I forget who wrote it. It's an excellent, excellent book. It really, oh, it's Andy Priestner, Rich Cross and
2: Andy Priestner, yeah. yeah. Oh, right,
1: right. And uh, the, there's, there's a lot of the background in the series in that. And uh, interestingly enough, the, the, the producer of the series when it started could have been Anthony Coburn. Who was the writer, of course, of the first uh, Doctor Who serial, Unef- An Unearthly yeah. Child? Because he'd been the producer of something called Drama Playhouse, I think it was. And Terry Nation, uh, Drama Playhouse w- was effectively a number of uh, dra- uh, individual standalone dramas, uh, but from which series often developed. So the Anidan line started with this series, and Anti Coburn produced it. Terry Nation knowing this, went along and pitched a couple of ideas. One was about a magician, I think it was. The other was something called Beyond Omega. as a post-apocalyptic uh, <laughs> idea. Um, he then ran into trouble with time getting the scripts ready. Uh, he did the thing about the magician, what it was, it's called Robert, Har- uh, Robert Harris, Richard Harris. Um, and um, that was made. But then he, he, dis- he went back to this Beyond Omega idea, which he then called the, the Survivors. Developed that with Anthony Corbyn. Uh, there were other discussions with the BBC. And this thing of it actually being about how people survived might have been a budgeting thing, because the BBC apparently were concerned about trying to depict a, a, a worldwide... Uh, yeah, well, the, the post-apocalypse. But from that developed the idea that it would, just, it would be about the individuals surviving in the countryside and how they survived, rather than a worldwide... Uh, uh, post-apocalyptic effort if you like um, uh, but then Terrence Dudley was appointed as a producer which Terry Nation wasn't altogether in favour of and, and you're right they, they sparked off one another uh, not help but the fact that, that there wasn't a script editor in the series um, Terrence Dudley did those duties himself so there wasn't like if you like when there was disagreement and termination in terms of it as i understand it there, w- there wasn't a third party there in the creative process to sort of mediate if you like and it, and it shows
0: because if you watch that first series with a kind of objective view there's a real swing halfway through between one kind of storytelling and another and oh a yeah bit, yeah this is the bit where Terence Dudley kind of wrests control away from Terry Nation and the series becomes what Dudley wanted it to be rather than what Nation wanted it to be. And unless I'm remembering wrong, Terry Nation didn't have anything to do with the
1: second and third series. No, I don't no, I, I don't think he did. Um, no. But it's fine. It, I have never... Actually, that first series, I don't think I've ever seen a series of TV uh, programmes... Where the style shifts so much between writers, because yeah. it's there are there are two main writers: There's Terry Nation and Jack Rhonda. Clive Exton mm. is in there as well, and he does a fabulous Law and Order episode, oh, uh, yes. which it, oh, yeah. we will I think we'll discuss it shortly. But. Jack, Ro- it, it's incre- you know when Jack Ronder's writing it because that's when Greg's playing a guitar. Greg, you know people are listening to this. They don't know main cast Greg and Jenny uh, and Abby in the first series, uh, but Greg is the the main male protagonist. And basically, if he picks up a guitar and starts going all kumbaya, my lord, then uh, it's uh, it's Jack Ronda's script. <laughs> if you've got two or three guys and Land Rovers with, with shotguns, it's Termination.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. <laughs> and kinda of, and the the revisited survivors, three years ago, whatever it was, is kind of goes along with that three guys with rifles in the Land Rover thing mm. and almost ignores the Terence Dudley stuff altogether, and yet, do you know what I mean obviously, I said I remembered it vaguely from when I was a kid, but when they released them on vHS probably in around nineteen
1: ninety,
0: mm. I bought the entire first series when it came out. And then, sadly, couldn't afford to buy Series 2 or Series 3. But for years and years, every year on my birthday in October, I would sit down and over the course of about three or four days, I would watch that entire first series. And I did that yeah. every single wow. year.
1: Yeah, so I'm completely... It's good stuff, though, isn't it? It's really good stuff. Oh, it is. That, the um, first
2: yeah. episode is just incredible. I mean, mm. if you think about, at the time, a, a serial Drama as such that was being that it, it was produced almost as a, a play for the day in each week like as, as you said you, it's contributed partly by the fact you were getting these different writers in but you you'd almost tackle a different subject from a different angle each week and uh, mm. it just happened that first week is the end of the world and your setup there is so fantastic with um, Abby Grant and her husband and y- you get thrown the curveball of, of the guy who appears to be the lead character, yeah. pegging it halfway through.
1: Yeah. You, you don't know yeah. who's... those those yeah. early ones, you don't know who's going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's survivors. But, you know, you think it's probably going to be the husband, but, it, uh, mm. but it's not, you know. Um, yeah. And the other thing as well is you don't know... Of all the characters that you
0: meet in the sort of first half dozen episodes, you know they're getting a gang together. But you don't know which ones are going to be the ones who join the gang, as it were, the group, yeah. and which ones are going to... And, you know, when you first meet Talfrin Thomas in, in I think, episode oh, two, Tom Price, yeah. Yeah, you just don't have any clue that he's going to be a regular member of the cast. Mm. But, you know, by the time you get to the sort of middle of the first series,
1: this is actually this is this is one of the the points that Terry Nation, Terry Terry Dudley actually disagreed with Terry Nation, liked the idea of it being uh, 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 the characters being in motion and Mm. always on the move. And he didn't like the idea of them all sort of coming together and settling down in one place, which eventually they did. Um, and so you do have initially this thing of, yes, these individuals. So Tom Price, the Alfred Thomas character, who's, uh, the, um, uh, the tramp in the parlance of the day, um, uh, going off and doing his own thing while, you know, Jenny and Abby and Greg sort of coalesce together and are traveling in the car for a while. And Abby's looking for her son, Peter, which is a, and, and that's a huge thing, um, uh, that eventually, I mean, revives again at the end of the series, but she almost gives up on looking for it. Mm. I mean, that sort of drives
2: the the story Mm. through the first half of the series, doesn't it, until there's a a point when she she absolutely sort of decides, this is, I've got to give up hope at this point, and we've got to actually start building for the future. And that's when, yeah, you then shift to that single location. They moved into the Grange, this great big house, and they start to look at, uh, trying to sort of, Look after themselves, provide for themselves, and fortify themselves against yeah. these people who sort of come and go. And it's only, yeah, it's only at the very end that yeah. that, that, so when it, once that search has been abandoned, that suddenly there's this glimmer of hope and again that appears.
1: And, and this might be a, a point to mention where our stories are set in the Big mm. Finish series, which is basically between episodes 12 and 13. So it's a 13 part series. And, um, uh, well, we, st- yeah, well, so like, we actually, no, off. actually, no, I'm thinking of yeah. my story, but actually, yes, no, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, Matt's, yours is set actually yeah. right at the start, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, mm. what we
2: do with, with, um, the big finish set of stories is absolutely go back to that Terry Nation series mm. set in the mid 70s, and we retell the story of that global pandemic outbreak again, uh, sort of along the pa- a parallel timeline to the first few episodes of the TV series. So mm. where on t v you're restricted to you're restricted by budgets to how much of a global epidemic you can show on audio we can sort of drop in on like uh, London airport Heathrow airport we can drop in on a university we drop in on town centre and sit and hear the effects of the outbreak as it as it as it happens in the first couple of episodes, and then we move forward in time and have um Greg and Jenny appear from from the TV series in our episodes as well as as Andrew says sort of a bit further down the line time-wise.
0: Hmm. So Matt, you were given the job of starting this off. Yours is the first story of the four in the first series that it's coming out. The new characters then. I I'm assuming that you had to kind of take the sort of what Terry Nation laid down as the apocalypse as it were. And bring some new characters. Were the new characters your creations, or were they ones that were kind of imposed on you, or were they ones that you sort of... The four of you got together and developed by committee?
2: Um, well, I, we've got to give some creative credit to David Richardson, who sort of got this project off the ground. And I think the initial group of... of or A couple of the characters were his brainchild, then um, I think I added one or two... Um, Andrew and Johnny and John all came up with other additions so you, you've got sort of a different a, a, a mix of people sort of coming and going through the four stories and again as on TV you're not sure who's gonna be the survivors and who who's yeah. uh, gonna make it all the way through mm-hmm. um, but I think David initially came up with um, uh, Daniel Connor who's our sort of he's kind of sort of an, an everyman journalist character and uh, his Work colleagues at a local newspaper. Um, there's uh, Louise Jameson's character, Jackie, who is um, sort of a, a mother, of a, a, a family figure who uh, who joins the group. Um, that, yeah, and, and we've got yeah a great a great mix of actors in there at the beginning, and uh, it was quite fun taking them all along their separate journeys and uh, seeing how far they would travel along there.
0: Well, one of the one of the main things about the TV series and, you know, the decision to move it into the countryside wasn't just a logical one in terms of the story, but also a logical one in terms of the production. Absolutely. But without the I I mean, one of the main things about the TV series is the stark imagery of these people in this sort of vast countryside where they're the only survivors. But adapting it for audio must have presented a wholly yeah, new
2: challenge. Particularly in that first episode, because the, the thing that's set up on TV is that in, in any given group of people, generally people who survive don't know each other, so you're left with a single person wandering around on their own, which doesn't make great audio, <laughs> has no. to be said. Um, but there are sort of ways around that that I found to begin with, and um, the... Uh, the other thing as well is the, the lack of the, sort of the real sort of starkness and lack of music. There are whole sequences in that first episode on TV which are absolutely silent. Mm. And yeah, that that was a, a challenge, to say the least, as to, to, to how to present that more dramatically and, and show the breakdown. So, I mean, what it means is we've got a bit more of the um, cosy domesticity at the start. We're really sort of establishing these people among the surroundings, among the people that they... Do live with so you sort, kind of start in normality, and uh, by the end of that of my first episode, ninety nine percent of the world is dead. It's like the grimmest <laughs> ever episode of The Archers. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah, the way I describe it usually. Now you've just mentioned
0: music. One of the sort of famous things about the TV version: there's no incidental music. The only music you've got is the mm. main theme. Now, obviously, on audio, you're talking about a different kind of a thing. But is there music on the audio version with big finish?
2: I at the minute I haven't yet heard the final edits. Oh really? Um, Nick Nick Briggs has done the music, but what that oh. uh, actually means I don't know as yet. <laughs> so but, I guess we'll uh, find out. Yeah, David David uh, assures me it sounds fantastic. So uh, yeah, we.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking uh, David, forward to it myself. David and Ken yeah. Bentley and I were talking about it. I know we're recording mine in November, and uh, that. Yeah, there's an idea of kind of keeping true true to the series, but going forward with the various ideas. And, and I, I don't know which way it's gone, because that was very much, you know, early days. But I can't wait to hear what they've done. It's interesting, the yeah. thing about no incidental music, I thought was, a, you know, a, a deliberate decision at the time. But Pennant Roberts, who's one of the directors in the series, has said that actually they edited it in a day and did the dub in four hours. And basically there wasn't time <laughs> to do incidental music. It was just the nature of the way this particular programme was made. You know, wow. they, they effectively established communities out in this, these places where they filmed, and they kept it very tight because of the nature of um, what they'd have called outside broadcast recording mm. at the time. They they couldn't af- really afford on a regular basis to have split locations. They had to have everything fairly close because it all had to be yeah. hardwired. Nothing was recorded in camera. Um, yeah, I was surprised reading about yeah. the production,
2: how, how quickly it was all turned around, actually, yeah. from the, the first yeah, recording
1: yeah. To, the, to the. Yeah. Yeah. But happy accident, the uh, the music, uh, the, or the lack of it, I and think, again, because it, it absolutely it, suits, you know.
0: Yeah, mm. and it feels really appropriate as well, because, you know, taking the music, the incidental music out, makes it feel even starker and even more like an empty world, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the soundtrack becomes, you know, the wind in the trees and, it and the trudging character. of feet through yeah. the mud and... Yeah. Whatever, because again, again, an accident was. You know, the first series meant to start filming in September of seventy-three or seventy-four, uh, but for there was something I, I don't know what it was—industrial action, whatever—they didn't actually start filming until January, um, uh, and then that affected. You know, it looked bleaker. It it uh, mm. uh, it, it, it fitted in nicely. From a production point of view, for something that's been filmed almost entirely out of doors, bit of a problem. When you're at the time of year when you've got you know really short periods of daylight each day. But again, happy accident. Happy accidents mm. are always
0: the best. Mm. Um, obviously, we'll talk more when we've got Dorney on to talk about his story as well. Um, my parents, my mother, absolutely adored the original survivors. She always wanted to. She watched it for Greg and Jenny. Oh. <laughs> um, when you when you found out you were going to have um, access to the main three characters from the first series, was that a turning point in the way you were writing it? Or did you already know at that point who you were going to be able to get?
2: I think initially we knew for sure we had um, Ian McCulloch and Lucy Fleming. So we knew we had Greg and Jenny. Yeah. And we we sort of plotted out very specifically where they would appear across our episodes. Um, and then I think um, Karen Seymour came on board later on. And yeah, so yeah. she's in, I think, yeah, we, we've announced it's, it's sort of in a cameo capacity really in, in this first series. But we're working on series two with her in a, a full role in that oh Oh, I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. she was a th- late addition. I mean, she wasn't on board when I, when yeah. I came on board. And then I, I, I got this lovely email from, from David saying, actually, can, yeah, can you write something with, uh, for Abby? Because uh, Callan's on board. And, um, yeah, nice, nice to do. Yeah. Was it difficult going back to Survivor?
0: I mean, you two must be fairly used to writing Doctor Who for audio. Yeah. Was it di- was it difficult going off and doing Survivors, or 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 maybe did you find it easier?
1: Uh,
0: I'll, I'll say for I myself. It it-
2: a- Sorry, Matt. On you go. On you go. Oh, so, um, for me, it's uh, it's much more because it's set in the real world. Apart from apart from the fact of a global apocalypse, it's very much set <laughs> in the real world. Um, yeah. Which I mean, Doctor Who is heightened, and what I I try in my Doctor Who's is to make the characters. React and act as real as possible, even within the sci-fi context. With yeah. in Survivors, that sci-fi context is a little more believable. It's a bit, little bit, bit more closer to reality, and uh, you're restricted by a bit being a period setting and very much the mores as well as the technology and and uh, uh, what what whatever customs and and uh, availability of of, of uh, technology was around at the time. Um, but it, it was yeah. It, it's very much just taking ordinary people, writing them as real as possible, but in an absolutely extraordinary situation, sort of pushing them to the limits. Which I always liked to do, to do with the Doctor Who's anyway. Uh, so it was a different challenge, and it's it's kind of because I'm I, I do some countermeasures as well. So that's kind of a bit more real world than Doctor Who. It's more Quatermassy and very much in the sixties period. So it's it it to me it was a little bit more towards the countermeasures way of thinking than the Doctor Who way of thinking, but more real world as well, I'd say. I've always
0: thought... Sorry, I'll, I'll come back to you in a second. I, I was just going to no. say, I've always thought the, the idea of writing a brand new Doctor Who f- would fill me with absolute dread because you have a completely empty piece of paper, whereas at least with something like Survivors or Countermeasures... You've got not just the characters, but a decent idea of the setting and the limits. You know the the limits that you can go to.
1: Uh, but Andrew, you were going to say. No, I was going to say. I. 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 When I was asked to do this, I, mean, I, I was. I was rubbing my hands at uh, the prospect of doing something again. It's connected with the real world, um, uh, and again, I, You know, back in the day, when I did that. Who also did uh, TV plays and radio plays and that sort of thing. Again, it was about. Uh, personal dramas and i relished the chance to do this um it was difficult again there were some issues around there's quite a large cast and trying to do justice to everyone we had the um the characters have been established in because i write episode three the characters established the new character established in uh, uh the new sort of big finish world of survivors which is still absolutely true to um uh, the uh, uh, the TV version. Now you've got actors well, you know, like Louise Jameson uh, on board and John Banks, who plays Daniel. Um, and again, you've got, but then you've got um, Greg and Jenny, Ian McCulloch, uh, and Lucy Fleming, uh, and a couple of other characters as well, and, and giving everyone, you know, taking the story forward and, and, and being aware, you want to give everyone involved something really meaty and purposeful to do. That was... Yeah. That was a bit of a juggling act, I've got to say. Um, but, again, much more adult themes was good as well. And in fact, I think this series is going out with a on the website, the actual one, that this isn't for younger viewers, and it isn't. Um, yeah. yeah, You know, there's some things we talk about. Uh, there's, a, there's a backstory to one of my characters that you definitely would not get in, uh, in a Doctor Who story. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, it was, but it feels oh, true it was to the today. survivors
2: of TV, doesn't it? I mean, it's that kind yes. of post, just post, I mean, nowadays it would be post-Watershed, sort of 12, a rating, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, yeah. we, we met up a couple of times, you know, the four of us, uh, mm. the, the four writers, we, we met up, and the so, sort of thing we discussed would be, what do we think about the language, you know? And it's basically, mm. well, what would you get away with at nine o'clock, and basically what they got away with in the first series, you know? Um, and it isn't, it isn't, Strong language, but you certainly get some non doctor Who language in there
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: but it's powerful stuff and and um you know and I've heard of people you know crying in the studio during some of the recordings it is uh it, it, there's some very powerful stories here and and again, because it's more directly linked to real life, I think that that makes it more impactive wow, mm. I'm looking forward to it more than ever now um. <laughs>
0: Right, we better we better leave some time to talk to Dawnie. Um So before we go, I'm just going to ask you, Matt, to uh, tell me what is your favourite or the one that you're most proud of out of your big finished body of work. Oh,
2: now I've surprised you with that question. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like choosing a favourite child. <laughs> exactly, which is why <laughs> yes. I've put you on the spot. I t- um. I, of of rec- In recent times, what I, I, I'm actually really proud of, um, of my Doctor Who's uh, Afterlife, which I thought uh, Sylvester and Sophie absolutely knocked out the parks. This was a seventh Doctor story with Ace and uh, sort of the um, the aftermath of the loss of Hex, played by Phil Olivier. And, oh, right, uh, yeah. Can I, can and I, I just it?
1: did... A, yeah. Can I just chip in there? So I'm glad you say that because I I uh, I was blown away by Afterlife, and I think it's a candidate for best big finish ever. Okay. And it is fantastic. Oh, right. And some of the choice you made on that. I mean, the first episode is basically a, almost a two-hander, isn't it? It's pretty much. A, yeah, oh, the thing I wanted is, to do oh. was do
2: a, t- a two-hander between yeah. the Doctor and Ace, sort of dealing with.
1: It's great real, stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah it's, it's fabulous. So I'm very proud of that, mm. but I'm, I, I love them all, I love them all, <laughs> Even Dark Eyes 2 as well has, been, has gone down really well, I'm so chuffed to mm. be able to do that, and we've just been in studio this last week with Dark Eyes 3, and very excited about that, mm. and uh, Survivors, I can't wait to hear it.
0: I can't believe you haven't heard it yet, it's <laughs> only a few weeks away now. Yes. Well, Matt, thank you very much for coming on board. Very welcome, thank you for asking me. Yeah, I think we could have talked for about another two hours about Survivors actually, but we'd better leave room to talk to Dorney. And Andrew, uh, Andrew, you're going to join me for that as well, I hope, so you'll be a constant presence across the whole podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: So Matt. Lovely to have you on, and it's a shame we couldn't have talked more. Maybe we'll have you on again sometime in the future. Oh, I'd love to come back. Thank you, yes. Excellent. Right, there'll there'll be a slight edit now, and then Matt will be regenerating into John Dorney. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe not. (laughs) And we're back, and Andrew and I are now joined by John Dorney. Hello. hello.
3: Hello, hello, hello.
0: Uh Dorney, yes. okay, let's, let's start with a question about Doctor Who, mm-hmm. because, obviously, this is ostensibly a Doctor Who podcast, even though we're not here to talk about Doctor Who tonight, yep. but, in order to get my head around uh, your experience of Survivors, what was your earliest Doctor Who memory?
3: My earliest Doctor Who memory, um, entertaining enough, is, is, is the first ever episode Obviously not when it was transmitted because I'm <laughs> a bit too young for that. Um, it was. I say obviously people haven't seen me, but um, it was uh, the the five faces of Doctor Who repeat. Uh, my I think my folks I was at home with them and they saw oh you know they're repeating the first episode. let's have a look at that and kind of watch. and I was too scared to watch it. I got scared and forced them to change the channel. Um, so oh, no, yeah, absolutely. And, and so the first one I actually watched properly was a few weeks later. I think it was. I think they ranked Carnival of Monsters before yeah. the Three Doctors, even though technically that was that's the wrong way round. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that and that, that was my first story I watched properly. And then I joined up watching um, properly as of um, uh, Castrovalva. And, and, and in terms of sort of all the big Finnish authors, I think I'm the only one who was never really brought up. Watching Tom Baker, which, um, yeah, I start with the, the mm. season 19 crew, which means the fact that I kind of got to write a story for them and I'm the first person to write a story for them that was recorded was quite, quite, felt quite special.
0: Mm.
3: Which is really interesting, actually, mm-hmm.
0: because you obviously then have a completely different perspective on all those stories yeah. and on the Tom Baker era as a whole.
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was always sort of an archive thing. I t- it took me ages to realise that um, I don't think I even heard. Leela speak, or saw a Leela story, for example. Till I think I was about sixteen, and um, it was certainly, yeah, surprisingly late. I was, I was, in, I was in the teens, and for whatever reason, I'd not actually actually I say that. I'm sure I watched some episodes in Australia. I think, and I think must have seen like Talons of Weng Chiang. I remember seeing the episode six of Talons of Weng Chiang, and Robots of Death three and four visiting my family because I'm half Australian, and they were showing it across the weeks then. And um, yeah, those are the ones I vaguely remember. But then obviously it was a it was a long time after that before I was consciously aware of. Seeing old stories with it, so yeah, I mean, it, it means that, for example, I've always My Hartman. So it belongs to the Peter Howell theme, uh, <laughs> the theme in a way that I, that a lot of people consider that to be, you know, heresy. Exactly, but I just <laughs> it, it's the one that gets me more excited than the others, and um, and you know, and, and I think in a way it kind of means that I've got sort of quite a nice sort of um, oh. wide ranging taste in my doctor because uh, it, it, I can. I can appreciate you know lots of things before and after, so you know it's 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 a good period to have grown up watching it in. I think I really love all of them actually. I think the Peter Davison area it stands up remarkably well for the vast majority of it. There are you know one or two in there that I'm less keen on, but that's just the way it goes. Really.
0: Did you do you find then that you have a better appreciation for? Do you think the ones before you
1: became a regular viewer?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, we lost Andrew for a second there. Have we got Andrew
3: back?
1: Yeah, I, I, dropped you, you, uh, I dropped out there just for two or three minutes. I'm back with you. That's all right.
3: No, he, he, he done... doesn't mean he lost the signal. He just got bored of
0: me waffling <laughs> on like most people do. I went not have a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just asking Dorney whether he thinks his appreciation mm. of the story... You know, because there's a certain thing where if you get into something halfway through, the mm. ones from before have a kind of magical quality, like they're some kind of sort of almost mystical thing
3: from before your time yeah do, do you find yeah. that at all that um, earlier i don't know that, that it, probably less so now obviously i mean I, I imagine when i first you know found the episodes when you know when they were started releasing them on vhs and when i was probably about sort of 10 or so um that there was probably that kind of astonishment that you find it then but it was always they were surprisingly all quite present because obviously that was the period with the you know the Target book. So I remember the first Target book I got was the Abominable Snowman. Snowmen, sorry. Yeah. And uh, so th- these the old stories were always around and I was always aware they existed, but they were always sort of tantalisingly out of my grasp. And certainly I was watching the old stories uh, or getting hold of copies of the old stories and watching them pretty much around the same time as Colin Baker was on TV. So I was I was always kind of aware of them. I, I never really kind of had a a present of Doctor Who, if you know what I mean. There was never really a present. Yeah. There was always, um, there were the ones that were the ongoing ones, but there were also the, I, I was slowly discovering all of the old ones, and uh, yeah, which was, you know, a joyous thing to, to experience really, yeah. You had a completely different experience from Andrew and me then. Really?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. You, know, because... you,
1: well, you, you had video recordings, which we didn't, mm-hmm. you know. I, yeah. mean, I got my, I got my video recorder, uh, just before season 18 was broadcast, you like mm-hmm. to, know, to record that. Um, and then I think it was early to mid-80s that they started releasing the shows on video. Mm-hmm. And VHS well, I, players were commonplace. Yeah, I mean, mm. I,
3: the, the first... I remember distinctly getting the, the, the VHS of Se- Seeds of Death, which is the first official uh, VHS I bought because I was a huge fan of, the, sort of Patrick mm. And I can still sort of see the first day I watched it in my parents' front room. Uh, on, on an August uh, sunny, sunny August day, as a child, and um, yeah, yeah and actually, th- those kind of things are still always special. But you still get those these days as well. I mean, it's certainly yeah. so. The, the big discovery of one where you're going, I think that's the one. There are some like that where, where I, I think because it was black and white, and and so it was so completely distinct from anything I'd sort of seen before, that and it was also sort of a pristine copy. The, there's a degree to which those things are the ones that really kind of sort of stand out where you can remember where you were when you saw them and all that sort of stuff and and like Tomb of the Cybermen being another one for you know, obvious uh, reasons. Um, yeah, you, it was it was a sort of quite a slow, a slow burn thing really. And actually, you wrote about the Seeds of Death for my book. I did. Yes, that was that was <laughs> um, yeah because it, it's still it's a story that's always been around uh, for for you and who wasn't it that I that yeah, that's I, right, I've yeah. always sort of had it. It, it, it's turned up surprisingly often in my life. <laughs> uh, which is, um, yeah, not, not that you would particularly expect. And so it's always, a, I've got to watch it again. I haven't seen it in ages, actually. It's a, it's a fun little story. Underrated, I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Andrew, the Target yeah. books, then. You must have been older, uh, I guess, than many people when you discovered, when, when the Target books first came out. I mean, most of us got into the Target books when there were already a few around. But you must have been Mm. aware of the very first ones, am I right?
1: There were a handful around when I got my first one. In fact, The Abominable Snowman was one of the first that I got as well. Um, And I know when it was, it was October 1975. Planet of Evil was being broadcast at the time. Uh, The uh, parents took us to uh, Blackpool for the weekend and went to the Doctor Who exhibition on the Golden Mile. And um, in the shop, I saw the Target novels on the shelves and didn't know about them uh, before then. I know I got The Abominable Snowmen uh, and Doctor Who and the Cybermen, which is a novelisation of the Moonbase, and yeah. prob- probably Doctor Who and the Daleks as well. So a great introduction to the target books. But I think they'd been around... That's 1975, and I, th- I was 13. I think they'd been around for only about two or three years. Funny, I, was, I was tweeting, yeah. I was tweeting was about this thing. recently.
3: They were quite early, wasn't they? Mm.
1: they? Yeah. yeah, I was tweeting about this recently, people's experience, you know, their first target novels. Mm. Um... And it was interesting, stuff people coming back with. But I, look, I I dug out those first books that I got, and there were only about six or seven titles, most of which, most of which had titles that were different from the broadcast titles. So yeah. Colony in Space was out as Doctor Who and the
3: Doomsday Weapon and that sort of thing. I think um, certainly, hmm. with, with, with me, I think The Abominable Seven I got in Australia, I seem to recall, again, and not that I did everything in Australia, but, you know, that was... Um, I was one of the ones I remember. And I just, it's, suddenly thinking it through, going in terms of books which I actually remember getting and having and reading yeah. in specific times and places. Um, going to um, Mudderford, which is a sort of a, a beach resort. Um, I say, that sounds so much more dramatic than it is, so much more glamorous than it is. And getting yeah. and reading uh, your novelisation of Full Circle. Uh, that was a family holiday ah. when I was growing up as well. so... Oh. Oh. I always like to hear those anecdotes. <laughs>
0: Now, Andrew, I, and
3: I've
1: got I've got a German okay. language copy of uh, Planet of the Daleks as well. <laughs> a German I got, language copy. Yeah, I, I saw it in a shop in Austria in ninety one, and I thought I'll have that. Planet and, of um, the Daleks. Planet of the Daleks. Doctor Who. Doctor. It's Doctor Who, not Doctor Who. Doctor Who under Planet den Daleks, and the first line is uh, "Er lag so still als er war tot," which is he was lying so still as uh, as, as if he was dead. Wow! So, that sounds the, brilliant, doesn't, doesn't it? The Doctor it and the at the start. Now,
0: you do realise that Planet of the Daleks was my first target book.
1: Ooh! Oh, there you go.
0: Oh, see, this yeah. com- this conversation's going around in full circles all the time. Well, I hope, I hope you've like got the Mark.
1: Long. I you've got the Mark Gatiss audio reading. That's excellent. Oh no! The audio book. Oh, I put should on, do. Put that on the wish list. Yeah. Yeah,
0: maybe mm. for a Christmas present. You two mm-hmm. can you two can put together and get it. I'm making Christmas. a note of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure you are, <laughs> Andrew. At the end yeah. of the recording of the first half of this podcast, you might have thought you got away with it, but you Go didn't. On. Right. I when we had Matt on, I asked him what was his proudest or or his favourite big finish audio that he'd written, and I didn't mm. ask you, and I'm asking you now. Oh. And I'm not talking um, about which was your favourite of Matt's, I'm talking <clears throat> about which is your favourite of your own. Oh, no, I,
1: I get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. First and Taren's turned out really well. Um, uh, helped greatly by, by John as well and by David. Um, oh, that was, yeah. So you've got, way. yeah, of, of the one, and Brood of Eris, I was really pleased with that. That was my first monthly range that came out in February this year, the, the Brood of Eris, and I was, I was just really pleased. I'm currently and,
3: listening to that one as well, isn't it?
1: Three ah it's um, yeah I tried to. it's funny my first one I thought you know it's the first one for the monthly range I won't do well with it but I, I, there were some things that were kind of tricky to uh, narratively to get right in terms of having partly having characters who are really nasty at the beginning and you have to have some sympathy for them at the end and you, you know just struggle with getting the beats right for that but and I really wasn't sure until I heard it when I thought I'd got it right and I think I did I'm really pleased with that. Of the scripts I've done, it's not come out yet. But again, John, the script editor on it, I think "Domain of the Voord is one I'm looking oh, yeah, forward that's really to. Good. I was really pleased with that. I, I I remember finishing the first draft with a smile on my face, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that doesn't always happen. But um, and again, the, just listening to it in the studio with uh, William Russell, Carolyn Ford, uh, and our guest cast, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And 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 Survivors. I'm really looking forward to hearing what's been done Ooh, yeah uh, with it since the uh, since the studio recording. But the ones that are out so far I'd probably plump for the first Santarans. Um, uh, yeah, I was really pleased with that and uh pleased with the reception it got as well.
0: Oh, I'll say I, I, that's one of the one that's one of the titles that comes up most often amongst our listeners, I think. Mm. Oh. But Dorney, you're yes. not going to get away with it either. I've uh, given you about oh. ninety seconds warning, and now you're going to tell me which is your favourite of your big finished dramas.
3: Um, well, you kind of have different favourites for all manner of different reasons. Uh, Things so obviously, uh, the first one I did, *Deckers uh, of Grey, That's that I'm very chuffed with that because it was a lovely one to work on. Um, the the first one that actually came out was Solitaire, so that's obviously got a place in my heart as well. Um I, I, I think the one I enjoy most in terms of the one I just that makes me smile the most is probably The Foe from the Future, actually. Um, which is sort oh. of everything I wanted it to be. It's it's I wanted to write Doctor Who, the movie, and write the sort of the biggest story I could possibly imagine, and I think it really sort of pulls that off. And I think that kind of joy of that's- taking the sort of Robert Banks Stewart stuff and yeah and and playing with it and and developing it and you know he sent me a really nice email um saying nice things about it as well which was uh extremely nice to do. Cool. Um apart from how that much,
0: How much script did you have to go on with that because that is the one that was adapted from the story that Yeah. Were back, um,
3: it it's an interesting one because uh the it, it you can almost see because cause I, the way I tend to talk about it is that episode one is quite heavily him and episode six is in, pretty much entirely me. And mm-hmm. if you view it as a sort of gradi- gradiated curve, or arc, I don't know, <laughs> what, I'm not sure what I mean. But if you the, if you view the journey between that as getting, like, veering from me to him, that's sort of the way it works. Because episode one in storyline form is about three full pages, quite heavily detailed scene breakdown, which I largely stuck to. I, I think I added one scene and added one sort of character called Charlotte from the village who... Louise breeley played who just for somebody for the doctor to be able to talk to and various characters to talk to. And and then the second episode is a little bit shorter and a little bit less detail and I have to play with that a bit more and do a bit more things with it. Episode three, getting a little bit more me, a little bit less him, and then sort of by the time you get to episode five, uh, where he I, I think even in the interview he talked about it in Doctor Who magazine, he said that he could re, he could recognise himself in episodes one to three of the storyline mm. but not in, in four and five and that was the sort of feeling I got I thought four and five are the ones where he's kind of just slightly run out of ideas and that's why there isn't even an episode six at all oh, uh, really? um, <laughs> yeah it, it, I don't mean in the bad ways run out of ideas. he's kind of just like having to kind of go through it he's got this other job calling him and it's it's sort of running out of steam in that sort of way that we all get if we're trying to sort of go through the plot and you're going I, I'll come up with how to finish it later And so I think episode five Mm -hmm. largely is pretty much just a page, which the plot of the entire episode is largely the doctor builds a gun, it doesn't work. That's episode five. (laughs) And I kind of kept along with that. I mean, various things, even in the episodes where, but as I said, episode five is quite heavily changed from the original synopsis. But even a lot of things I was quite keen on doing was every character, every named character who dies in the original synopsis uh, dies in, even if the storyline has changed, they die in almost exactly the same plot po- point in the storyline and in kind of the same way, in ba- all but the same way. So, um, I think uh, Dan Starkey has a character called um, uh, Osin who gets eaten by the Pantophagian at the beginning of episode five, albeit in a completely different place, but he does get eat- they both get eaten at the top of episode five. Uh, Camilla Powers' character gets killed off at the end of episode five. I'm sp- this is spoiling it. You're for people spoiling that, uh, things for
0: people now. Yeah. yeah.
3: But, um, <laughs> and, and one of the other things I did in there was, like, you know, change the sex of a few characters that one might because I was, I was thinking I'm Pennant Roberts. I can do that. Um, but yeah, that was <laughs> pretty much what I had. Um, in, in terms of sort of stuff that, if, if that's coming up in terms of sort of favorites, I've got the, I, the one I've just written. Uh, there, there's one that's coming out in a couple of months called iterations of I, which I'm very proud of, which is the Adric one. Again, it's lovely to have been involved in that. And, mm. um, And the one I've just written that is literally just finished recording, uh, I think about Tuesday last week uh, of a couple of sessions, which isn't out till June 2016. And I can't really say anything about that one at all. But that one is one of my favorite stories I've ever done, ever.
0: Wow. You'll have to remind us of that in about two years time when it comes out. Yep, I will. (laughs) I will be telling everyone. By which time you'll have lots of new favorites.
3: I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Your favorite is always the last one you've done a lot of the time.
0: Right, we should talk about survivors. Mhm. Yes. Um, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dorney. Yes. When did you first experience survivors? <laughs>
3: um, survivors. I think it was because I'd. Um, I, I I started buying the Blake Seven at VHSs on the recommendation of a friend. I'd not really seen Blake Seven before, and I bought Blake Seven. Really got into it, and then obviously at the end of you know the fifty-two episodes, you just went right. Well, I've done that. Um, what else is there? And, the, and BBC started releasing survivors on VHS as well, and so, so I started buying that. I'd been sort of following, you know, TV Zone and all that, so I was knew I knew a lot of that sort of 70s... I was aware of a lot of the 70s telefantasy, and was quite interested in a lot of it. And and so this one seemed quite an exciting thing. People t- said good things about it, so I started buying uh, the the videos of that just because it f- was another Terry Nation series. I was interested to see where it was going, and really rather rather liked it. Um, I I. Bought my way through the entire uh, first series, and then they just didn't do any of the the second and the third series, which was incredibly frustrating. Oh. <clears throat> um, I did do recall my sister had UK gold. I asked her to record. They started showing survivors at one point. I asked her to record the episodes, and I think um, she recorded a couple. Then they switched what channel they were on or time they were on, and she missed most of the rest of them. Um, oh, which was a shame. But but no no no. It it, it kind of has a happy ending. She sort of. Um, Decided to buy me the whole of uh, the series on VHS um, uh, as a Christmas present. And, as this, uh, unfortunately, uh, what she hadn't realised because of, because they'd been repackaged was she was just buying me the first series again. <laughs> and, and, I, and I just had this moment when I arrived and I said, <clears throat> "Oh, I've got a wor- worrying feeling I know what this is because I actually literally figured out in advance what it, and it was." A, it's a shame because it was such a perfectly judged present, but unfortunately, I'd mm. already got it. Um, oh, I knew exactly why she, and, you know, it's one. Of, but um, yeah, so that was when I sort of first became aware of it, and only in like the last few years I've been able to sort of buy the DVDs and catch up and watch the rest of it. Um, it it's a it's a great show. Um, I I think um, so kind of unusual and striking and just uh, rich that um, yeah, I, I I kind of instantly sort of really rather loved it. Yeah, it uh, there are we were talking
0: about this last time we just mentioned <clears throat> in passing really that there were so many. Sort of post apocalypse type things around mm-hmm. in the sixties and seventies, but survivors partly because of this obvious <coughs> fight that took place between Terry Nation and Terence Dudley, mm-hmm. where Terry nation obviously wanted to do the classic sort of you know lots of fighting, lots of infighting between the groups, Terry nation obviously wanted to go down that route, whereas Terence Dudley obviously was thinking The Good Life, yeah. basically. Yeah. And Terrence Dudley won out, and I think that's what makes Survivors so unique, because all these other films and books and TV series that were doing the post-apocalypse thing were all going the Termination route, and here's Survivors going off and doing something else, and then it kind of really made a name for itself.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised with, um, obviously having spent about sort of, I don't know how long it was—fifteen years—waiting to see the second series, um, and ha- ha- hearing people say that they're going, "Oh, it goes a bit agricultural and not terribly interesting." I really like the second series. Um, yeah, yes. I, really. I, I, I thought it, was, <clears throat> it wasn't particularly quite that at all. You know, it's it's got some surprising moments of brutality that match any of the sort of the the huge levels of darkness um, that you, that you find in in series uh, in series one. So you know, the 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 priest getting sort of uh, well, I, I don't particularly want to say it, but the, 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 yeah, the, yeah, the end yeah. of the priest storyline in season two is quite so is, is a moment where you go, wow, that that and it just happens very quickly. Uh, that it, it's it's got a very odd and unusual little tone, but so certainly seeing the second season and, and it's working my way through the third at the moment. There's that the, I think it's got a huge amount of depth and it's um, yeah I, I, I yeah I I like that sort of tone of it. You really miss Ian McCulloch in the third series. I'm sure, I'm sure you do, um, because he's obviously been such a sort of strong, hefty Mm. presence there. Um, uh, But we've got him! We've got (laughs) him back! I would say as well, I mean, having said all that, I would
1: say actually, you know, I think it's the Terry Nation episodes actually that really set it up and gripped people's attention and had the drama. I, I said last time that when Jack Ronder, who was the other main writer, was writing on it, it all went... Uh, you know, if if Greg was playing the guitar, that's almost <laughs> certainly a Jack Ronda episode. It all goes a bit kumbaya, as I say. But uh, uh, you know, the, I think the Termination approach was more action censored.
3: But then, I and think Ian, that...
1: Mc, Ian McCulloch himself—he wrote uh, three scripts for the series, I think, yeah. which were all again pretty much of that type as well. Yeah, but I think that's mm. the kind of thing. The, the reason it
3: works is that you have that mix, so you can have yeah. an episode mm. that is a bit more kind of, oh, we've got a sniper attacking us, and then you can have an episode. Which is all about sort of proper emotional problems of people within the community, and yeah. and, and sort of a- asking questions about it. So I don't think you'd want it to be, you know, um, Blake Seven of the Stone Age, really. It, yeah. As as, mm. as it gives it, it's nice <coughs> that it uses the series. The series allows itself to have the variety. The thing consistent that. thing. The consistent thing is
1: these are all ordinary people, and I mentioned last time as well. It's not a story about finding out why everyone was wiped out. It's just about saying ordinary people suddenly less than one percent of the population uh, has survived, and what do you do? And and you're watching it, thinking, could I survive? Would I? Could I survive without all the the, the trappings of everyday life and society and culture and um, basic tools and energy? Could I have I got the character and temperament to to survive in those circumstances? And you see, yeah,
0: and you see, ordinary people taking extraordinary decisions and not always getting them right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you often getting. I thought I was rewatching. I, I'd always say to again, I want people to watch these um, uh, as well as listen to the series. But the episode from the first series, Law and Order, written yes. by Cl- Clive Exton under the name of NK Jeeves, I rewatched it today. It's about the fourth time I watched it. And it's, it's powerful, powerful it's, stuff.
3: I, I've um, said to several people that I think that is genuinely a contender for the greatest episode of any TV series ever. I, I think it's certainly a contender. Mm.
0: Oh, yes. Mm. Uh, well, you know, I've obviously seen it about a dozen times, given how many times <laughs> I watched that first series. You know, the thing mm. is about when I used to rewatch that first series every year, I used to really look forward to them getting to the Grange
1: mm. so yeah, that they would yeah. have a base
0: to work from. And then, mm. and you're right, and then thereafter is the Terry Nation episodes that you look forward to the most. But I quite like the Terence Dudley thing of having the base and having that sort of family atmosphere. And just like any other family, they're not all happy with each other. They don't all get along, but they've been thrown together by circumstance. Now, with the family, the circumstances, you're all related. Mm. But with survivors, the circumstance is that you've all survived. So you've been thrown together, and you've just got to make the best of it.
1: And you get some characters that you've got to know very well who suddenly aren't alive at the end of the episode. Yes. You, and you, you never know. You never know who's going to make it through to the end of the episode. Well, talking of brutal,
0: that first episode of the second series was pretty brutal.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah, it, it, That was um, down to some uh, cast changes as well, I think, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. But that, that's kind of its, its, its biggest... Um... That, that, that's using that to your advantage because obviously you'll end up having cast changes, and it's great if you go if you go well. Let's let's use that to actually do something dramatic and powerful, rather than uh, than just having somebody quietly vanish off in the in the ether, really. Mm. Yeah. And of
0: course, so. the big thing about the second series was they lost they lost the Grange,
1: mm. so mm. they
0: had to shift locations to uh, anybody listening who doesn't know survivors you've got to buy all this stuff mm. the box set from the bbc of the 3 series must be fairly reasonably priced by now so just yeah. I, you know what i was
3: just thinking oh i'm, I'm going to nip onto amazon as we you know just see how yeah. much it's currently <laughs> going for you know not you know other other web stores uh, do exist so yeah yeah <laughs> So, Dorney, what was the experience <clears throat> like of writing the
0: story? Because you've written uh, Story 4 in the yes, series of 4.
3: Um, which is? Esther. It's called Esther. Mm. Um, I, and I, I don't particularly want to tell anyone why. Um, it's, <laughs> okay, um, that's very um, Andrew knows exactly why it's called Esther, but yeah. you know, it, it, it was... Um, uh, yeah, I... More, more so than almost any other series it was the, the, that we've done, uh it kind of felt very important to just wait and see what everybody else had done before me because we had long discussions about it um and discussions of what the overall sort of general themes and arcs of the the series was going to be but because it is so heavily character-based it was kind of important before i even started on my storyline to know uh where the characters had got to because it was entirely i i I think it's entirely about People reacting in in human ways to each other, and and unless you know where they start, you can't take them where they need to go. Yeah. And it, you can't even make a start to get to get the journey. So I I had to wait until we all kind of waited until the previous writer in in the box that had written their synopsis, and then picked up that that one and go right. How do I how do mm-hmm. I bring this to where I need it to be? In particular, with me, it was um it, it was an interesting one because. Uh, Everyone else had a bit more choice in the matter. I just had to, I knew where I started, I knew where I ended, and largely it was a question of going, right, join those dots. And, yeah, especially seeing as it's kind of almost a less, I think mine is, is, is kind of just the sort of the summary in a way of, of the themes of the box set, really. Um, it's kind of tricky to talk about, and the more I'm thinking about it, I'm going, yeah, does yeah. That, yeah. yeah. It's, it's because obviously it hmm. is, my story is so heavily dependent on what's happened beforehand.
0: Well, here's one question then yeah. that you'd probably be able to answer: the <laughs> four stories in the box set. And actually, Andrew, I've just realised we didn't properly talk about yours last time, so I'll ask you <laughs> about yours in a second.
1: Okay.
0: But the four stories in the box set are they entirely standalone from one another, or do or do the four sort of stories fit together as a kind of a, a, a one story um, altogether, as it were?
1: Yeah, they they fit together. It's 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 kind of a serial. Yeah. They do uh, have sort of Zero.
3: individual mm-hmm. elements so that each kind of has a sort of <clears> but, but they it's kind of yeah, I mean it's not a, it's not so much a kind of like a a, a series to the degree that say it would it could only be written by sort of one person, like sort of Nick yeah. writing uh, uh, Dark Eyes One, for example. Uh but it's they are they are you kind of have to listen to them in a in a go in one go, I think. Not one in one, one go uh, in order. And right. yeah. They, they, they. I don't think anyone would really. Certainly, mine and Andrew's and mine would lose all a lot of impact if you hadn't heard the previous stories. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I'm in so, fact, I, I'm telling any of my my like I'm gonna. I always give the box set to my, 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 my folks. and uh, yeah. I think I'm gonna say to them, yeah, I know mine's the fourth one. Listen to all of them from the first one onwards, um, just so you've got you understand the story. They are that dependent. Yeah. Right. Which is a good thing. I'm looking forward to
0: that. Andrew without spoiling too much then mm. yours is episode 3
1: episode 3 judges yeah, yeah. well yeah.
0: judges immediately well actually all the titles stand out to me as a fan of survivors and I kind of recognize you know where you're coming from with the titles mm. but judges which obviously puts me in mind of law and order
1: uh yeah there's there, there's an element running through mine of of um of uh law and order not that episode episode of law and order, but no. you know the lack of law like the judicial system um approaching it from a, a different angle one of i'll say one of my characters is a police officer who's survived and is trying to do his bit oh. um uh what else yeah it's difficult <laughs> <laughs> okay without giving yeah too
0: much well, we've not gone <clears> we weren't i wasn't able to get johnny Morris, who's written the second episode here, to talk about his because he's just moved house and he's got no internet at the moment.
1: Yeah. Mm.
3: So his. So he is basically just doing Survivors, isn't he? That's what he's doing mm. at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got. He's gone native. <laughs> but he, but
0: Matt's obviously <clears throat> kind of works in tandem with the very first episode of the TV Survivors, mm. and then we come to your two which are yeah. well between episode 12 and 13 i think we said but yeah that's about-
1: right and we can say i mean it's mentioned in the uh in the blurb and the big finish site that yeah. back, back at the grange their food supplies uh their basement food supplies, has been flooded that happens in episode 12 of the yeah. tv series um so basically greg and jenny are going out to look, look for some new supplies and they fall in with some other characters um uh, but yeah, it fits. We had, we had we had quite a few discussions actually early on about where this, these were going to fit. Yeah, there was a lot, and so sort I of drifted towards, towards, towards uh, you know where it now sits in the uh, the time frame of the series.
0: Does Johnny's fit in there as well, or is his earlier? Because from the synopsis, it looks like his is an earlier
3: one, like Matt's. Yes, yes yeah. it is. Um, yeah, mm. we, it, we, it, it's kind of sort of too hard if you. Ah, if, uh, right. Mm. Gotcha. So. Though they are still, so there's a bit earlier, a bit later. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
0: But actually, going back to the talking about choosing where to fit it into the series, that to me, you know, as a huge fan who knows these stories, that does seem like the most logical place to fit it. Which one? Your two, between
1: episodes 12 and 13. Mm Mm-hmm. That's probably why we finished there, because we were looking for where the space was for the story, really. Yeah.
3: Mm. You know, um, as you watch
1: mm. that first series, those 13 episodes,
0: you watch the first 12, and it does feel like there's a huge gap before the 13th. Mm. Well, which, it almost yeah, it's
3: almost like the beginning of a second series, in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it feels
0: like it. And the weather as well changed in between episodes 12 and 13, so it looks completely different as well.
3: Yeah, what's the weather yeah. like in that episode? Mm. Is it mm. sunnier then, or, or colder?
0: Yeah, it's sunnier. It's Probably sunnier, bigger. and it's really funny as well because that's a Terranation, and of the Terranation episodes, that's the
3: least Terranation life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, which is odd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he's got to he's got to do do something out of his own comfort zone every now and then, hasn't
1: he? <laughs> mm. Yeah, and it's like interesting it. seeing that Jack Ronder wrote, you know, these kind of more good lifey episodes, if you like. Mm. Um, he also wrote one of the most action packed two episodes, The Lights of London Mm. the two-parter from the second series which is wonderful stuff oh yeah Um, and not not at all good life in in style
0: no and those two episodes Mm. actually are very much the standout episodes of the entire three series run Mm. because they very ostentatiously made a decision to do a two-part story that was actually set in the city instead of in the countryside they don't really feel almost like they're part of the same series
1: i th- i think those two episodes do look and feel like a proper post apocalyptic story you know where you've got streets full of abandoned cars and that sort of thing and real waste and people trying to get by in the city because the story is about a characters who are t- tricked really into going into london t- sending the doctor in um uh, and, and then what falls out of that? But and and you've got the power struggle of the, the groups in London, the few people who remain in there. Um, uh, it's uh, it's good stuff. And I'm trying to think. Was it was it was it made on film as well? Uh, Might have been, I hmm. think the outdoor
0: stuff was certainly made on film. Yeah. There's quite a lot of outdoor stuff <clears> in that episode <throat> as well, if
1: I remember rightly. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Roger Lloyd Pack. If I yes. remember rightly. Yes.
1: Yeah, as the outcast. A very young yeah. Roger Lloyd Pack. Yeah.
0: Fantastic.
1: Mm. I'm well, just I hoping we said anything. enough about it. It's just, you know, just try not to alienate people listening to this think well, I don't know what they're talking about the episode. Just, just go out and watch these. They um, are uh, it's great gripping, gripping drama.
0: It is. I don't know whether mm. I'd recommend it to a Doctor Who fan per se because it is very unlike Doctor Who. But certainly
1: uh, not. Certainly not young Doctor Who fans. No, and I, I might have mentioned this before, but I mean, I think there was a blurb on the Big Finish site that says this isn't for uh, younger listeners. Fact, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure I did. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, no, it's it's quite quite adult.
0: I don't think there'll be any kids listening to our podcast, though. <laughs> I, I'd hope <laughs> to be surprised, mm-hmm. but, you, yeah. but but I wouldn't <clears> imagine <throat> so. But as as I was saying, I don't think I'd recommend this to a Doctor Who fan because it's like Doctor Who. But we're all Doctor Who fans, and we're all here talking about Survivors. Yeah,
3: I, I think yeah. it's 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 for the it appeals to a similar kind of element, and and certainly. But I, I think it 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 appeals to anyone who kind of just likes drama in general as well. You kind of it, it's it's got a best of both worlds feel to that, really. I'd say.
1: I mean, I would I would definitely recommend it. Mm. Um, I think probably given that the, the gist of that, you know, we're just so, so animated about the the subject matter and and the TV series and and obviously the audio series that were contributed to. Um, so I'd recommend it to anyone who likes, you know, uh, a good story. But uh, yeah, it's quite quite grim, and but it will engage you. And I definitely think it's that thing of, you know, how would I do in those circumstances? Well, yes, engaging mm. is the thing that it most
0: certainly is. Yeah, uh, and it, and you follow the characters through lines, and that will be the uh, true of the audio drama as well as the TV drama, mm-hmm. and the two will dovetail nicely. I'm guessing. That's the I'm what
1: sure. I'm hearing. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And there are some points as well about where our characters are on the TV series. There's a couple of lines here and there that you'll pick up on if you know the TV series. You won't miss out on anything if you if you haven't. You know. Um, I was just going to just a couple of little things. Yeah,
0: if you've not seen it on TV, you can still get the audio dramas. So, anybody who's listening who likes oh absolutely yeah anybody Mm. who's listening who's already who already buys Big Finish would you know our recommendation is just go out and get Survivors and then pick up the TV version afterwards.
3: I mean, in all honesty, it's it's a good drama, regardless. You know, I mean, both the TV Mm. series and indeed I think ours it, it works. It's a solid solid piece of drama. If you enjoy. If you enjoy drama, then, you know, I, I I think you'll like it, certainly. I haven't looked, then, but, Dorney, are you back for the second series next year? Uh, I'm not, no. Um, oh, that's sad. I don't know if I can actually, sort of, how much we can say about that. Yeah, I, I kind of know some of the stuff that's happening. It just didn't, for various reasons, didn't work out quite terribly well with the timing. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's some interesting stuff happening with that one, yes.
0: Andrew, are you involved?
1: Uh, no, I'm not. No, oh. I'm not, but I'm looking forward to it.
0: I'm going to have to have this conversation with a lo- load of entirely new people next year, then, aren't I? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, mean,
3: yeah. I, I, I I, don't think you'll complain about the people you'll be talking to, though, if you do that. So, yeah, it's, it's a good set.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm glad about that. Mm. Well, guys, this has been fascinating. And I've got to whisper it, but I've really enjoyed talking about Survivors instead of Doctor Who for a change. <laughs> oh, I, I know, I know. It's lovely, isn't it? Well, it's a Doctor Who podcast mm. and it's a Survivor's mm. episode, so that's my two favourite things, Yay. together in the same place. Oh, there you place. go. Um, Dorney, thanks for joining us. My
3: pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, and I hope it does really well. And Andrew, thank you for helping out on both both ends of the episode as no, well.
1: My, my pleasure. Thank you very much
0: indeed. Uh, well, we're definitely <laughs> having you back later on to talk about something else, whether you want to or yeah. not sure yep yep (laughs) that's a secret plan that sounds like a threat well it's kind of a threat but i think it'll be more pleasurable than andrew thinks it might be
3: oh i've got to to get back Uh, yes sorry i've got to get back to you on on that haven't i yeah
0: (laughs) oh no you've just got back to me i've just told (laughs) you it's happening
3: i'm just incredibly (laughs) disturbed by this whole conversation now
0: And if you listen to the podcast that we're going to be talking about that we're talking about,
3: then
0: you'll be just as disturbed as you think you're going to be. Fantastic! Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, that was Survivors. Um, If everything goes to plan, the next thing you'll hear is the trailer. And you'll be able to tell, hopefully from the trailer, just how good Survivors is going to be. And... I just hope it sells really well, and that Big Finish are able to keep doing a new series of Survivors every year for the foreseeable future, because new Survivors is something that makes a little glow in my heart. Mm. <laughs> we regret to announce that Parisian Airways Flight 305
2: to Charles de Gaulle has been cancelled. <laughs>
0: an incubation period of five to seven days, followed by a fever lasting anything upwards of 24 hours. Beyond that. Well,
2: we're only starting to see that now. Sorry, Mr. Redgrave. They're dead. This whole family. They're not breathing, not moving. But I got better, didn't I? I got better, so they 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 should have got better too. <laughs> we made the world so much
0: smaller
3: thought we were so clever. Nobody ever thought what had happened if it suddenly got big again. This is Dr. James Gillison. Can anybody hear me?
1: Well, when the plague came, I was in Holland. When I flew back, came down the coast, I saw sorry enough to know that what we've
2: experienced in Britain is likely to be the same across the world. You know what the times are like. There's disease. I haven't spoken to anyone for days. I'm
1: Jenny, by the way. Jenny Richards. It's a matter of survival.
3: Survival.
0: Well, thank you, John. My pleasure. Thank you, Andrew.
1: I think it's going to do well. I hope yeah. so. Right,
0: thank you. Cheers. And uh, well, I was JR, and we'll speak again soon.